0: So here's a problem. Uh, I have never done what I'm going to do right now. And why in the world choose Easter Sunday to do it? And that is, I am going to fundamentally change the lesson that I gave in the first lesson with no preparation. (laughs) This is kind of the embodiment of what it means to be working without a net. So I have this very nice lesson all prepared, and it's sitting in there, and it's the right number of words so that I'll finish on time. It's well crafted. It's well organized. It says all the significant things. And I gave that in the last lesson, and the eyes went like this. And there was a shock effect in the room, which made me think, hmm, I might have needed a little more preparation because... Coming to our church is a little bit, we use this metaphor quite a few times, like skiing off the dock. If you don't know what skiing off the dock is, this, imagine you were standing on a dock with some water skis on, and in front of you is a coiled up bunch of rope, and there's a boat, and the boat takes off. And you're standing there waiting while this is uncoiling, and when it hits, (laughs) you are going 40 miles an hour off the dock. And so you never get wet. So skiing off the dock is a little bit what it's like, because we have spent... 20 years trying to rethink the Christian narrative because the Christian church is in trouble. The Christian church is in one of those times in history when we have lost our way. It is not uncommon that we lose our way, but it is also not uncommon for us to find our way when we lose it. And so we are in the process of finding our way, but before you can find our way, there's a dynamic that kicks in, and it says this that what we do, our behaviors, is really rooted in our instincts. Now if you look around, we've been behaving badly. We Christians have not been doing our best in the last few generations. We've been behaving badly, but that's because our instincts are problematic. But our instincts are rooted in the story that we tell ourselves, the story that we tell ourselves about God, the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves, and so we've been spending all of this time doing this rethinking. Well in the first lesson I assumed all of that work that we'd done rethinking, and I began to make application of it. (laughs) What? (laughs) So it was a little bit hard. So I'm going to go back and give some of the background before we do what we do. So, here's the question that we ask when we come to Easter. Is Easter about you and I being fundamentally changed in our nature, or... Is Easter about us awakening to something that has always been that we uh, did not realize? That's the question that will inform today's lesson. You heard us singing songs like, We Are Waking Up. We are awakening to uh, a new understanding, a new insight. What is all that awakening talk about? Because if you grew up in church, that's not the kind of talk that you heard around Easter time. So we are going to talk about good news... But I'm going to make the case that the good news isn't about you and I going through a fundamental shift, but you and I awakening to a reality to which we are blind. So, we grew up in a world, you and I, informed by Newton, informed by a world in which F equals M-A. You might have remembered that from high school physics, which means that uh, if F is equal to M-A, then F is not equal to two times M-A which is about physics, that's true, it's about objects in motion, that's true, but it's really about our gut instincts about reality. In other words, there is such a thing as a one and fixed truth about reality. But, then we fast forward four or 500 years, and now Einstein says that my clock going tick, 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 and your clock on a watch, or on a spaceship going that way really fast goes tick, 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 and my clock is true, and your clock is true, now we've got this fundamental disconnect, not just in physics and how motion and objects move, but our visceral gut instincts about reality. Time is relative to where you're standing when you experience it, which has entered into our consciousness as a society, that truth is relative to where you're standing when you're experiencing it. And so we're going through this gut wrenching shift from truth that is fixed and certain to truth that is relative and illusory. That's happening to us, whether you're aware of it or not. It's just going on under the surface of our society. All the troubles that you see going on out there in the world with politics and with uh, social constructs and all the things that are happening have their roots in this fundamental shift of worldview that's going on. Well, what that does is it says, here's a lens for looking at the Bible. Here's the lens for looking at the Christian story. And we take this lens off this Newton-based lens, we come over here and we put this lens on. And when we do, we look at things fundamentally differently. We see Bible verses that once told us this, now tell us that. We see truths that were once highlighted over here fade into the background, and these truths that were once in the background now come to the surface. That is what is happening to us, and again, aware of it or not, it is happening to us as a society, and aware of it or not, it is happening to us as a church. So things that have been over these last many years, by the way, I captured a lot of this stuff in a book, Uh, you can get it, it's right over there, things that are fundamentally different once we've taken off this lens and put put on this lens are how we think about God. We have tended to think of God as out there and us over here. We've tended to think of God as a being that exists in some place that is not here. Our Father who art in heaven. Our God who is not here but over there. Well, sure enough, when you have this lens on and you look at what the Bible says, you can find a case that says that. But when you take this lens off, all those Bible verses tend to go into the background with this lens on, and all these Bible verses tend to come to this front, and what we see is that God is more connected to us and part of us and integral to our very being than we realized. As a matter of fact, we start using a term, this was a little problematic in the first service, the term is oneness. <clears throat> oneness as opposed to two-ness. two-ness. is I am here, God is there. Oneness is God and self are more of an integrated, connected, indivisible reality than we knew. We root that in our understanding of the very first story that says uh, that we were breathed into and that made us animated and alive. And what was breathed into us was the breath of God, and that word is synonymous with Spirit of God, so we are, every one of us, animated by, defined by, characterized by the indwelling Spirit of God. So that was kind of the first rethinking that we did that informs how we're going to talk about Easter. The next rethinking that we did had to do with what do we think about our own humanity? Over here, when we had these lenses on, what we saw was a story about your and my uh, nature that says when we ate the apple way back in the garden, something happened. That God breath, that God spirit that defined and animated who we are was taken out of us. And what was put in its place was ugly, ugly sin nature. Now we are totally depraved. We have an original mark of sin upon us. We are defined by not the breath of God, but we are defined by the sin and failure and shortcomings of who we are. That's the way, those are the Bible verses that stood out when we had these lenses on. We take those off, we put this over here, and we say, well, wait a minute. That's not what Jesus said in John one nine. He said, every one of us are carriers of the light and life of God. That's not what the story said. The story says we've got the breath and the Spirit of God in it. That's the defining nature of who we are. So sin is something, but it's not that thing. It's not the thing that just came in and totally corrupted us and made us uh, yeah, totally, what's the word, Total, totally depraved and there's another really bad word. I can't remember theologically what it is. Instead, <clears throat> what we are is... We are carriers of the light and life of God, but we have a veneer around us that is called sin. That We have a veneer around us that is a, a sense of our separation from God and all the bad behaviors that result from that. So we began to rethink human nature. And we said, okay, human nature isn't defined by the ugly, ugly sin nature, but it is defined still by the breath of God and the life of God and the light of God. That is the fundamental essence of who we are. But we do have this problem. We have an over Lay on the outside. You can see how this is getting to Easter. Because when we talk about Easter, we're going to talk about what does Easter do? Well, depending on where you start, Easter is going to fundamentally change your ugly, ugly sin nature, or it's going to awaken. It's going to bring an awakening to what is. So we've got defining uh, God, thinking differently in merit- metaphors about God, thinking differently about our own nature. Third, thinking differently about this fundamental thing that the Christian journey is about, which is salvation. Salvation, since we put on Newton's glasses, meant you have a fundamental, not your fault, nothing you could do about it, flaw. You were born into this flawed nature and you're going to suffer the consequences because of that. And so consequently, salvation was about getting out of that pickle. What are we going to do to get out of that pickle? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to beat up Jesus, then we're going to kill Jesus, and after we've beat up Jesus, and after we've killed Jesus, then God's uh, need for blood will be satisfied. The lamb has been killed, and now we can now be okay with God. That was the way that we told the story for a long time. If you were here a few weeks ago, you you heard me retell that story differently. Now salvation becomes not about being fundamentally changed, but being deeply awakened. Being deeply awakened to, when we sing, the calling of the mystics. The mystics, even when we were in Newton's worldview, the mystics intuited that there is something more to this experience of the divine than that. We are awakening to that because they said, no, no, no. The light and the life and the Spirit of God is real and alive and it is in every one of us. We need to awaken to that. We need to awaken to the calling of our deepest hearts. That begins to rethink how we think about salvation. So salvation used to be you had to pray the prayer. Well, it's not that it used to be. I mean, this was in, in this worldview, it made sense that salvation was you would pray the prayer, God would come in and fundamentally change who you are because a sacrifice had been made on your behalf, and now you are a different nature. Now we have a problem of oneness versus twoness. We have a oneness idea that says uh, we are, every one of us, connected and one with God, and we are, every one of us, connected one with another. Because we are, each of us, carriers of the indwelling Spirit, which means at the depth of who we are, we're the same thing. At the depth of who we are, we are carriers of the breath and Spirit of God. So we are one. Unless, our story is, we used to have this fundamental sin nature inside, and now we've prayed the prayer, so we've taken that sin nature out, and we've put in the God Spirit in. When we say that, if you haven't prayed the prayer... We're no longer one, we are now two again. I am in the in-group that has prayed the prayer, you are in the out-group because you haven't prayed the prayer, and the idea of oneness then goes away and we live in a world of twoness, separated from God and separated from one another. Only when you take this set of lenses off and you go put these lenses on and you say, well, wait a minute, that never went away. We always are and we always were connected because we always are carriers of the same indwelling Spirit of God. Then we're no longer in this world of 2 where I have prayed the prayer, you haven't prayed the prayer, so you are out and I'm in. Now we begin to re- rediscover and recover our sense of the oneness of all things. So, it started with rethinking our nature of God. It started with rethinking our nature of, human, uh, of humanity and uh, what it's like to be this. It started with rethinking our view of what salvation is and how it happens, and it ends up with we are awakening. It ends that Easter is a story about awakening to the reality of oneness. That you and I, we are carriers of the indwelling Spirit of God, which makes us more one with God than two. And because you and I are carriers of the indwelling Spirit of God, and because the other is a carrier of the indwelling Spirit of God, despite all the illusion to the contrary, we are more one with one another than we are two. And that goes for our friends and the people who go to church with us on Sundays. And it goes, Jesus told us, for the Samaritan, the outsider, the one that everything around us is telling us is the bad guy. The bad guy is a carrier of the dwelling spirit of God, too. And that's how Jesus can say in this new oneness construct, you can love your neighbor, you love God, and you love your neighbor, and you love the enemy. We can do that because we are awakening to the reality that has always been, was breathed to us in the, into, the, into us in the beginning. And we are awakening to that reality and seeing what we had not seen. Every one of us. And in the book, we talk about some of the psycho-emotional processes that happen as we're developing. If you ran into Piaget along the way, you know how humans develop, and you know, we inherit, you and I, kind of an innate sense of separateness. We don't inherit an innate sense of oneness. We, because of how we differentiate, I can move my arm, but I can't move your arm, so that means I am one and you are a separate one. And so we inherit this intuitive, instinctive, visceral understanding of two-ness. And so it requires some awakening. It requires the insight of the prophets. It requires the insight of the scriptures. It requires the insight of the mystics to help us awaken to the reality that despite this illusion of our separateness, we are more one than we are two. Despite our illusion of our separateness from God, we prayed to our Father who art in heaven out there, and the mystics came and said, well, let's think of God as soil. You might remember a lesson I did several years ago on God as dirt. In other words, if God is soil and we are plant, we are in and we are permeated by and we are always surrounded and connected to the soil in a way that it is very difficult to distinguish what is soil and what is plant. How do you separate them? If plant is not in soil, then plant is no longer plant. And the mystics begin to say this is how we think of our connectedness to our oneness with God. And these We, me, being many, are one body, every one of us a member, one of the other. This is how we begin to see that we are connected one to another, that oneness is a better description of reality than two-ness. But despite the persistence of our illusion, the message of Easter is the message of awakening to the reality that has always been. Now we've called that salvation, salvation. We've been saved into something, saved from something, but we never framed it as we are saved from the illusion of our separateness. We are saved from the the combativeness that happens when I am separate from you. But that is at the essence how our community speaks about Easter. That we are awakening to this great news that we are not separate from God and we are not separate from one another and we are not separate from the one we have categorized as other. That is great news and that's a great big responsibility because once we realize that oneness is a better description of truth than twoness, then we realize that I don't get to be separate from you because you irritate me. We don't get to nurse the grudges that we have toward one another. We don't get to tell the story of victim and villain. We don't get to tell the story that I am a victim of your badness because that's not the true story. The true story is that you might be doing a bad thing. As a matter of fact, you've done some really bad things and we're going to challenge that, we're going to talk about that. That's not going to continue. But that doesn't define the essence of who you are. And when I'm the perpetrator of badness, yeah, that's a bad thing. And we're going to have to deal with that. It's going to have to be addressed. We're going to have to do that or we can't go on. But that isn't the defining center of who we are. And so we begin to awaken into these realities. And then we begin to awaken into the responsibilities that go with this reality. And the responsibility is that I don't get to keep myself separate from God. Because that's not the defining center of who I am. The defining center of who I am is awakening to the divine resource that is within. And once we get outside of this story where God is... Once we get out of this story where God is mean-spirited or harsh or whatever, you know, our Father who art in heaven who's, yeah, going to beat the tar out of us, you know, once we get out of that story where we feel our separateness from God and we don't feel that any longer, we would want to draw from the connecting resource that is God. Because the responsibility is to access that which is within us that is an enabling source to be able to live this life to which we are called. Now the thing is, this is the good news of Easter. The good news of Easter is, yes, we as Christians are awakening to this new reality, and we are called to live here. Love God, love your neighbor, love your enemy, be healers of the world, tikkun olam. This is our mandate. Yes, we're to do that. And you're to do it in your home, and you're to do it in your neighborhood, and you're to do it where you go to work, we're to participate in healing the earth. That's our gig. Okay. If God says so, here we go, and let's just marshal the resources and make sure, you know, don't go into the movies, kids. Sorry, we got to go serve Jesus. And we're going to go and we're going to you know do all this hard, laborious work, or we're going to access this divine resource within us that says this is who we are. We are carriers of the divine, which means we are healers of the earth, which means that the text that I was going to read this morning, uh, Paul says, we are reconciling all things to God through this experience of the risen Spirit of Christ. We are part of the reconciling oneness mandate and mission because that's the divine mandate and mission, and we're participants in it. And when we go within and find our connectedness to God and it stops being a doctrine that we hold but becomes a, uh, an experience that we have, We realize what we need is in there. And so our connectedness to God is a responsibility. Our connectedness to God is a resourcing capacity. Our connectedness to God is the starting place for this whole reality. But our connectedness to one another then extends to not nursing those grudges that we have against one another who are in our circle, but it also extends to not standing by when those who are outside of our circle are suffering to a degree that we are not suffering. So in other words, if we are part of this connected oneness and my kids have clean water and your kids don't have clean water, that will not do. I would no, longer, no more do that with the, the other than I would do with my own children to deny my own children access to clean water. No, we are part of a connected oneness and this is good news. There is the resourcing capacity to do something about it and there is the vision of how we are to do something about it the walls that break us down from us and other, that, that is good news. That is the message of Easter. And so, that's a lot of responsibility. With that responsibility, the, the history of our tradition has given us a toolbox. And that toolbox says, okay, if this is the story that we celebrate at Easter, the good news of our connected oneness to the divine and the good news of our connected oneness to each other, and to the world. If that's the good news, and if we are awakening to that, we're gonna need some help. And so the help is these practices you hear us talking about all the time. The help is when we're doing our self-awareness, self-disclosure worksheets. We're actually working on integrating oneness into the dailiness of our lives. When you hear us studying the Enneagram so that we can know where the pitfalls are of our particular personality and where we would tend to separate ourselves from oneness into two-ness. We are working toward oneness. When you hear us talking about conflict resolution so that we can actually learn how to uh, be part of one with one another even though we are conflicted, we are practicing the the tools that move us toward oneness. When you see us, when you hear us talking about restorative justice, getting involved with Wake County schools, or getting involved uh, with victim assistance, or the, the things that we're working on, we're practicing oneness. And we are doing these tools together because what they do is they strengthen us for this grand narrative that is really good news and allows us to walk into it. There is a resource within you and within me, the divine center. These tools help us access it. There is a reality that we are more one than two. And these practices help us move into that space and occupy it well and occupy it effectively. So, good news. The good news is that we celebrate at Easter is that there is a power that's resident within us. There is a capacity that we carry around. Most of the time, living in the world of illusion of separation, we don't access it. Sometimes we don't even know it's there to access. But the good news is, it is there to access. And the good news is, it is an experiential reality, not a doctrinal reality. Easter isn't about making sure you believe the right thing so you can go to heaven. Easter is about knowing what the story is so you can find your way into it experientially. It's about awakening to the life and source of the divine of which we are all carriers. It's about awakening past the illusion of separation that keeps us separate from the divine and keeps us separate from one another and keeps us separate from the world. It's that empowering capacity that says once uh, you have seen that, you step into the world to begin to make right what has gone wrong and to heal the breaches that have gone before. Here is a resident capacity within you to do that without getting sucked dry and burned out. This is how we do it. This is, that is the good news that we celebrate today, that we are healed in this earth and that we become healers of this earth. Amen.